We're recording, John. Look at that. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. While I get myself in order, this is Two Beards and a Bible. I'm John Swaino. And I'm Dave Tenney. John was totally not prepared for me to hit the record button. No, I'm still <laughs> straightening things up. But he had table. his clothes on, so I figured it'd be okay. We're, we're there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, welcome, everybody. And uh, as near as I could tell, we should be in Acts 17. Acts 17 and verse... Um, Ten. Gonna have okay. to start wearing glasses, John. I can't yeah. see. <laughs> um, yeah, last time a little closer to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> last time we were talking about um, uh, the assault on Jason's house. So uh, the Jews at uh, Thessalonica were all worked up over uh, Paul's preaching, and then they went and arrested this guy named Jason because he was harboring. Uh, these these quote unquote uh, false teachers or people who were stirring it, which is basically Paul is who he's talking about, and uh, and they dragged them into the uh, uh, I think I, I forget what what it said here to the rulers. That's what mm -hmm. it said. It brought them to the rulers of the city, and and they were trying to um, uh, you know get them thrown in the jail or something. And Jason was able to get everything settled down and. I remember we talked a little about it. He said they, they, they had taken security from Jason, which we're not sure exactly what that means. Right. Uh, but but he had done something to, to regain their confidence. Well, one of the things that we I think we talked about last time was that, uh, you know, th them being envious, they <laughs> they took some of the evil men from the yeah. marketplace. So they went and got the, the mobsters, you yeah. know, from down in the corner. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It just it makes uh, no sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there's just irony all there's just the so much wrong with it but mm -hmm. but that's where we're going to pick up at and uh that's in verse 10 so uh john you want to read first you read 10 through 15 sure so verse 10 it says then the brethren immediately sent paul and silas away by night to berea when they arrived they went into the synagogue of the jews these were more fair-minded than those in thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women, as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica heard that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. All right. So um, Paul uh, is and Silas are sent away because of all of the things that are going on there at Thessalonica. And they send them away, and they go to Berea. And, uh, of course... Paul Paul runs into the same kind of problem there, but mm -hmm. but you know this is this is where we get you know the, I think there's it's called the Berean Society. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. They're a group and they've been around for a long time. And they like if you go, I think it's if you go into like a hotel room and you find a Bible, that's where they put that's who put it there. Oh. It's usually the Gideons. Is it Gideon? Oh, I'm, the you're Gideons. right. Dang, yeah. I'm, I'm, John? <laughs> yeah, it was Gideons. Yeah, you're right. Bereans, okay. Bereans were... Never but mind. But there was, there was in this area, I don't know if it was nationwide or not, the Berean bookstore. 
I uh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, but, I mean the the idea that they were more fair minded. I mean, have you ever in your travels have you ever come across an area that you know? I don't want. I don't, I, this can sound the wrong way, and I don't want it to. <laughs> but uh, sometimes when you go into an area, every area has their own way of way about them yeah. and personality, and some are more fair than others, and some have yeah. different expectations. There's no doubt. And, but, and, but when I was in business, uh, you know, we had locations in different in different towns, yeah. not too far away from each other, but there was a different per, definite personality between yeah. between the areas. Yeah, I work for a county, and uh, I deal with lots of towns in the county that I work in, and some of the towns are just so easy to deal with, right? And some of them are not, right? <laughs> so I, I I won't mention the town, but uh, there's a town around here that uh, I had an office located in, and I'm telling you, and I'm serious, if the world blew up and left that town, I wouldn't live there. <laughs> just because of all the trouble I had. Did that town start with a D? No. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with a G. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, I know what, I know what town you're talking about, too. Yeah, well, that happens, too. Yeah. You know, so, so Paul goes to Thessalonica, or he leaves Thessalonica, and he goes to Berea, and the people are more fair-minded there. And, you know, as we think about this journey, this missionary journey that Paul's on, so... If we go all the way back to uh, Acts chapter like 16, where we talked about Lydia, mm -hmm. and Paul, you know, he tries to go one way and he tries to go another way, and the Holy Spirit prevents him, and he goes towards Macedonia. And the cities that Paul goes to, which he wasn't planning on going to, are Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi, and you know, we think about the letters he wrote to the Thessalonians and to the Philippians. Yeah. And we also think we always think about the the fair-minded Bereans. Right. So you know those those towns that Paul went to. It's just interesting. He had no plans on going there. Right. And I, I happen to have the. I'm using two Bibles today, but this one has the map of you know there's Corinth, Athens, Berea, Thessalonica. So it's all on this coastline. Yeah. And uh, you know when we uh, are at this point, we're talking about. The difference between Thessalonica and Berea, and yeah. here's the little patch of water they would have gone across yeah, to get there, and it's just like you know a few miles away. Yeah, but it's interesting that the, you know, that those from Thessalonica, right, that they came and caused trouble in the other city. You yeah, know, they they just wasn't enough to get rid of them from their city. Right, absolutely. But they had to, you know, put their nose into. The business of the next town over. There are some even today that are just like this. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, not to get into a political realm, but, you know, there are, of course, it during the political, the, the big political events and so on, elections and so on, there are those that will come from across the country to stir up trouble for the other party, yeah. you know. And, and that's on both sides. You know, oh, it is. Uh, however it is. many sides there are. It's, yeah. it's all of them. All of them do that same <laughs> but, thing. Uh, yeah, there's nothing different. I mean, this is this is kind of the same thing here. Yeah, absolutely. Because they were protect. What, what are these people that are that are causing trouble? What are they protecting? They're kind of protecting their political power and their, and maybe and their they're pride. Trying, yeah, and maybe they're trying to gain some more influence yeah. in another town. But the Bereans here, it says that they search the scriptures 
daily to find out where things were so. And um, the what's the lesson in that, John? That's exactly what we should do. It and what a wonderful thing to have said about you that you know that you're fair minded and that you're willing to to look. Yeah. And and find out if these things are true. Yeah. And you know what? If if they weren't true. Mm-hmm. That would give them an opportunity to maybe teach the right thing, right? Right. So I think, you know, there's an attitude there that we ought to have today because, mm-hmm. you know, if you get in a religious discussion with somebody and they have, they make some point that maybe you don't agree with, uh, you know what? Go to the Bible and mm-hmm. I'm sure you can both come to an agreement. I know in in years past, it was a big thing, you know, maybe 50, 30 to 50 years ago, it was a big thing to have debates amongst, yeah. amongst uh, religious groups. And and some of those got to be a little vitriolic, and, and I understand why some people are kind of against debates, but there's something to be said for people sitting down and talking about their differences. Yes. And that needs to be done, and we've gotten so far away from that in yeah. our society now that uh, you, nobody wants to nobody wants to do the hard mental work of coming to the realization that they're wrong. Yeah. I think the part of the problem is, is like the debates were actually like fights. So they turned fights. into it That's, sometimes. Yeah, they weren't they weren't civil conversations about things. In, in many time, many, many in many cases, not all of them, but many cases it it came to be, you know, just to get those quick little sound bites in that that would, you know, I'm going to make this dig against you and then they're going to make a dig against me. And it's like they're racking up points. Yeah. And sometimes they literally did, you know, keep score. Yeah. <clears throat> over over little little statements. And, um, you know, that's the wrong way to go about it. But, uh, you know, today, if somebody from a different religion were to ask, I'll speak for myself, if they were to ask me to come study the scriptures with them and compare compare notes... Um, I would gladly do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I, I kind of figured you would too. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> in the times that I've had the opportunity to meet people that had a different, a differing opinion uh, religiously, and I've asked for that time to talk to them, I've never had anybody take me up on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, and that, um, that says something that, yeah. you know, if, if you're confident in your faith, if I'm confident in my faith, I should be able to give a defense. Right. I mean, that's, that's biblical. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if, uh, if someone has a different, a, a different doctrine and they're sure it's right, then, then what do you have to be afraid of right. in, in defending that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've gotten a few opportunities to, to do that sort of thing and mm-hmm. uh, I've never had a, a crossword with somebody over there. I mean, yeah, I, the the opportunity. I shouldn't say never had the opportunity. I've had opportunities to 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 speak to people, but when it came down to really discussing the issue, it was it was clear that that wasn't going yeah. to happen at the meeting. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so they searched the scriptures daily to find out what things were true, and then it says, and th- that many of them believed. And not a few of the Greeks. So these are Gentiles we're talking about. And, and and the key here is it's prominent people. And, you know, um, there's something to be said for your leaders doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And when your leaders are doing the right thing, everybody else tends to kind of 
be more uh, eager to get in line. Right. John, I see your cat. Yeah, I think he wants out. Yeah, I, I think he's going to start scratching here in a minute. Well, you keep talking. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> So it says here, when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there and also stirred up the crowd. So that's what we were talking about earlier, how the, you know they had caused trouble in their hometown, and now they're here uh, causing problems in the next town over. And uh, it, you would think that... So, so what do you think the like typical reaction to that would be? The people coming from yeah. the other town. Yeah, <clears throat> I would assume that those people in in Berea would have said, "Go back home." Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it says there. So they came and stirred up the crowds. Yeah, and it says then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea, but both Pilus, Silas and Timothy remained there. So Paul must have been doing the majority of the speaking. Right. And, and from what we have gleaned over this time of study about Paul, <clears throat> his personality was probably fairly forceful. Yeah. I mean, he, he had to be a, a pretty intense fella. Yeah. Because of the life that he lived prior to his conversion. And, and no doubt he had the same sort of boldness. Yeah, he was, a, he was zealous. Yeah. And, uh, but... How would you like to be Silas and Timothy? So now, right. now we got a bad situation. Paul's skipping town, and we're gonna we're gonna get here and deal with this. Yeah. But you know, there were new converts there, right? And uh, somebody had to to stay behind and try to get, I think, them more organized. That's kind of uh, Timothy. All you know, you, if you go to the book of Timothy. You know, he, he's told, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Yeah. You know, in, in chapter 4 of Second Timothy. So, I mean, it's, uh, that's got his name written all over it. Yeah, to, yeah. To stay and deal with that. Yeah. And, and Timothy, if you read the books uh, that Paul wrote to Timothy, Timothy was always dealing with problems. Yeah. Like constantly, this, this young feller is dealing with problems all the time. Right. And uh, so... You know, it looks like he got a lot of practice at that. Right. And he must have, uh, it, it would lead you to believe that he was probably doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So Paul left and he went to Athens and then he sent for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. So we'll pick up here in verse 16. All right. It says, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols, therefore he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happened to be there. Then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? Which is kind of funny. Others said, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who are there spent their time and nothing else 
but either to tell or to hear some new thing. All right. Okay. So one of the one of the uh, things that I'm gonna poke around here. I think I remember reading something. This is a uh, what is this? An NASB. Uh, yeah. And when we were looking at verse 16 there. Now, it says in verse 16 of Acts 17 there, it says, Now, while Paul was waiting for them in, at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was beholding the city full of idols. And, and that, that differs a little bit. Uh, oh, it, it does say his spirit, his spirit was, provoked. was provoked within him. What I you, didn't, I didn't hear that when you read it. So What do you think that means? I, I, I can only imagine I kind of identify with it when you, when you go into a place and, and you see that they're turned over to all kinds of all kinds yeah. of godless things, it kind of turns your stomach a little yeah. bit. It kind of provokes your spirit. You know, I, with kind of like, I'm not, I've had the thought before, I don't understand how you can be so wrapped up in some of these things. Yeah. So you, you, you want to do something about it and, and speak to them. Yeah. And that's exactly what he does. And it, so he says he went and reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentiles. So he went to the synagogue first because there he's going to find somebody he's got something in common with. Right. And he he didn't scream at him. He reasoned with them. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it caught me. I, this, this this caught my attention when I was reading earlier. Verse 17, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. Yeah. So there were both. Yeah, there were both there. There were both there. And then, and then it says there were certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. philosophers right, those guys. Yeah, some fellers. Um, the Epicureans, I, I, I did do some reading about these things um, because I've always, I've always thought of the Epicureans as, as, as a group who just kind of um, went after anything that was pleasure-provoking. Okay. But I don't think that's really what that was 100%. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, versed on, on their history. Well, I think the Epicureans, their, their main thing was is they tried to avoid anything that would cause pain or discomfort. Oh, that well, was their go. So whatever, whatever they could avoid, they would. That was their religion. And then the Stoics, um, the way they kind of handled things is they, they would... Um, deal with issues with reason rather than and, that, and stoic philosophy even today is still very kind of removing emotion from yeah the, from the yeah. yeah and that that makes sense as I just I told you I had my computer open here so we could we could Google stuff yeah um, you know, it says that a, an Epicurean is a connoisseur of the arts of life and the refinements of sensual pleasures um, from what I was reading that didn't like. Epicureans sometimes would abstain, abstain from those sorts of things. So they like, oh, maybe they maybe they've got an opportunity to uh, uh, cheat on their wife, but they may abstain from that because they know that would cause some other kind of pain. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. But if they could get away with it, I'm sure they would just do it. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But yeah. The, but the Very thing. Very worldly in thought. Oh yeah, absolutely. Then really, stoicism, you know, it, it, it's basically removing emotion mm -hmm. from all decision making and just doing things by 
probably the scientific method, I would, right. I would imagine. So, And that, that has its place. It does. And emotions have their place. But uh, got, you know, God gave us both of them. Yeah, and, and sometimes avoiding situations that would cause bad situations is good advice, right? Yeah. So that, the Epicureans, some of the, some of it wasn't the things they believed in was weren't all bad. There the were some good aspects to them. Exercising of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. doing things to avoid yeah. trouble in the future. But sometimes you need to insert yourself in a situation that you know is going to be a horrible situation because you have to. Right. You know, you need to do that. Right. Um, so, um, so that's these two groups that were there: the Stoics and the Epicureans, and and they want to. <laughs> they say, "What does this babbler want to say?" <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, and you think about the, these guys would have been uh, probably fairly, uh, fairly educated. Yeah, you would and, think. And and what's the first? In many cases, the first reaction people have to someone who brings something that is against what they believe is that well, they're crazy. Well, you just write them off. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, so it says that, uh, that he was, he seems to be some proclaimer of foreign gods because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. It says, and they brought him to the Arapagus, which is in some translations, it's translated as Mars Hill. Yeah. And that's because, um, arrow, I believe I wrote Ares, A-R-E-S, mm -hmm. Ares was the Greek god of war. Okay. And of course Mars was the Roman god of war, so it depends on, you know, which oh. perspective you look at it. Mm -hmm. But that Arapagus was basically translated it means the hill of Eris. Okay. That's what that's what that word means. And that was like a you can look up pictures of it, but it was like a a big rock mm -hmm. that stuck out there in Athens, I believe it is still there. Mm -hmm. And there were some other little smaller rocks on top of it that they used as benches. And they would hold like a council there. Right. Like a war council. Yeah. And um, and they also, like, they still, even at this date, they still had some power there. Sure. Yeah. If I remember correctly, uh, was it in the reading here that we're going to get to in just a minute? Um that it was a place, like you said, it was the place where they where they made religious decisions. Whether, yeah. Whether that was something I read. I read that somewhere I, today. I read that too as well, yeah. So it was like there was some council that decided what was right yeah. regarding religious matters. Right. You know, most likely, you know. So, so they took him to this place, and it's interesting. It says... Uh, they took him to this place and they said, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's a good attitude. Yeah. Right? Yeah. E even if they were condescending, perhaps, in their, in their minds, uh, they at least gave him the chance. Yeah. And that's... That's a good. That's a good sign, as you said. Yeah, yeah. So it says for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Yeah, it sounds like the early internet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Google. these were surfers of the ancient internet, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
Uh, John, you want to read uh, what time we got? Oh, we got about five or six minutes. Okay. Um, boy, we're not going to get this whole section. Let's um, let's just read the next like four or five verses. Okay. So, and uh, starting at verse twenty-one, for all the Athenians and the foreigners who were who were there spent their time in nothing but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For I, as I was passing through and considered the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. You know what? What an awesome way to open this up. Yeah, yeah. Um. I, I read one time that, that, so the reason they had all of these um, images of gods all over was because they had all of these different gods they worshipped. And the reason they had this image of an unknown god was just in case they forgot one. Right. <laughs> so I suppose in some way, you know, that leaving that door open for there to be another one, that at least... Puts them in a place where they understand, to some degree, that they could they could be wrong. Yeah, that they could they could have missed something. Although they were much like the religious world today, they probably were. Like, you believe in the God you want, and I'll believe in the God I want. Yeah, and all of them can be true, but um, <clears throat> it it is interesting. And one of the things that that uh, strikes me is you know they 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 told him he was a proclaimer of foreign gods, so he went with that. Yeah, and, and he and he's like he basically, I guess the thought would be okay. These people don't know of of the real true God, so let me tell them. And he went and told them just as much, you know. And he <clears throat> and he told them, uh, you know, I'm going to tell you about this unknown God. But he before he did that, you know, in verse 22, he he says he perceives that in all things you are very religious. Yeah. So that's sort of a compliment. Yeah, and so he's he he's. Meeting them where they're at. Yeah. He's not calling them fools. Right. He, he's not insulting them. He's complimenting them on their desire to at least seek after religious yeah. things. And then he perceives, or proceeds to uh, tell them about this unknown God. That's the common ground. They already yeah. left room for there to be another God. Paul knew his audience. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think that's sometimes what... what what happens today is we we may speak to somebody we don't we don't know the audience we're speaking to. Yeah, and uh, you know if you're if you're going to talk to a group of people, uh, you better know something about that group of people. Yeah, yeah. How much different would it have gone if he had gotten up there and said, "Listen, you people are fools. How can you not see right. that none of these gods are worth anything?" Right. And and, and if he would have done that, then they probably would have kicked him out of town. Right. Right. <clears throat> Absolutely. And. Yeah, there's absolutely a lesson in that for us when we meet. It's hard to believe sometimes, but there are people that just don't know. They've just never been exposed to religious things. Now, the scriptures do say that all men are without excuse because you can look around and see the beauty of creation and yeah. see that there's a creator. But um, uh, nonetheless, we have to meet people where they're at. 
Absolutely. And that, I just something shot into my head as I was reading earlier, <clears throat> I was reading about a, a person who was an astronomer and uh, they, they worked with NASA on some pretty big projects. And one of the things that, that they said was that uh, the more that they looked into the universe and looked into the, looked into the things of the universe, the, the creation, the more religious he became. <laughs> because because the more he saw the order and how things were, uh, you just couldn't deny it. Yeah. And and, and I've, I've heard that many times before. People yeah. that go into the sciences, and they have a truly honest mind. Yeah. Uh, an honest heart. They, when they are presented with the intricacies of creation, they come to that yeah. understanding. I mean, it, yeah, I don't, you don't have to uh, look too hard to know that... that this wasn't an accident. Mm -hmm. It just, just think about it just a little bit. Yeah. And in reality, that's probably why they had all these gods, the God of yeah. this, the God of that, yeah. because they knew that there's something going on here. This yeah. wasn't made by human, by chance. Even today, like people who are atheists, um, they know that something had to have happened. They, there, they still understand that there's this problem of this universe. Mm -hmm. There's a pro, there's a how did this get here? Right. There's a problem there, mm -hmm. a big problem. Right. And they've come up with um, some of their own ideas on how it got here, but the problem is the idea the, the idea of evolution is an insane idea. Right. And it always cracks <clears throat> me up when I hear ed people who are very educated and smart and believe in this and i'm like just take a few steps back and look at this that's the problem of education for education's sake yeah they help a lot of people to think in a certain way yeah and and as you pointed out you know we, we, you have to have help to think in yeah. that way that, that this can all just be yeah. a chance john we better stop here is that enough yeah all right well, thanks for joining in, and uh, next time we're going to pick up and, and, and dig a little bit further into Acts chapter 17. Hope yeah. you can join in. Thanks.